Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Joe's Weather World only weather podcast dedicated to Kansas City. Hey everybody, welcome aboard. This is another edition of Joe's Weather World. It's a weather podcast dedicated to all things um, weather and other stuff, whether it be in Kansas City, other parts of the country, other parts of the world. It's just basically your weather radio show. And every so often we bring in folks from uh, other weather-related um, for lack of a better phrase, industries or um, professions. And today we've got a guest with us. He's a good friend of mine. We've had uh, numerous chuckles at various meetings that we've gone to and stuff like that. Trent Pittman is here, and uh, he's from Johnson County on the Kansas side. I always have to say, I always have to say Johnson County, Kansas side. It's something we all have to get used yes, to. because people get mad or they get confused or whatever. Anyway, he's with uh, emergency management there, and his official title, and I wrote it down, is he's the assistant director, director of community, community preparedness. preparedness. Yep. What is that? It's quite the tongue twister. All about. You know, sometimes it feels like it's all the duties that no one else had assigned to them just that all bundled up. like Fun. Yeah, I do a lot of the community outreach, going okay. into schools, public information, training and exercise, uh, volunteer management. And one thing that all the emergency managers in Johnson County have to do is fill this duty officer role. And what's involved with that? You know, we always have a duty officer who's on staff 24-7, 365. It's primarily um, so we have somebody within 30 minutes of the office who can activate the emergency operations center uh, on short notice should that need arise. Now, nine times out of ten, it's uh, usually for severe weather. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start with the basics. We had Andy Bailey in from the National Weather Service uh, a couple of podcasts ago, and we were talking about the role that they play in our little weather enterprise. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like, I kind of describe it as, in a way, it's kind of like a, a three-legged chair to a certain extent. Fourth leg, if you wanted to add in the spotters and stuff yep. like that, because they're so vitally important to everything that we do. But basically, you have the weather service, you have the media, and you have emergency management. And so let's start uh, with emergency management, since we've already talked about the weather service's role in all this. What does an emergency manager do? What What is the role of emergency management within a specific county? You know, uh, each county in Kansas has to have a, a designated emergency manager. Some departments are bigger than others. In some of the more rural counties, that can be the sheriff. Uh, fire chief can fill that role. But in some of the larger counties like uh, Johnson, Douglas, Wyandotte, and Sedgwick County, there's uh, several emergency managers that they usually have on staff. And our role primarily is to uh, prepare uh, the citizens of whatever county uh, we work for for a uh, number of hazards. And in Kansas, some of the, that, that first thing we focus on primarily is severe weather, being prepared for tornadoes, uh, wind, and all those uh, flooding. 
especially recently. And so as emergency management kind of evolves over the years, how has it changed, do you think? I mean, how long have you been with Johnson County? Uh, I've been with Johnson County since 2011. All right, so we're now almost almost 10 years, give yeah. or take, pretty yep. close. Uh, so has the role of emergency management changed since the time that you've been there? So not as much as since I've been there, but one thing that we have been able to see, especially when you take a step back and look at it from a broader perspective, uh, a little bit beyond my career with emergency management, is it's really becoming a more professionalized field. Uh, 40 years ago, emergency management really had its roots in the civil defense agencies. Um, that's where it really got its start, how it really got organized. And then as that, uh, that threat kind of faded away into a little bit more of memory, it kind of progressed into emergency management as we see it now. And uh, really, it's, it's continued to evolve and, and professionalize. There are, are numerous degree programs out there that focus uh, primarily on emergency management. And we've really seen this, um, this take off, this field since 9-11, uh, Katrina, uh, Sandy, just with uh, how, um, what we focus on and how professionalized the, uh, the field of studies become. I always like to ask my guests, how did they get hooked into what they are doing. For me, I've always talked about my love of weather ever since I was in the third grade or something like that. But I'm sort of kind of guessing that in the third grade or sixth grade or 10th grade, whatever, you're like, I want to be an emergency manager. That's probably not exactly. Oh, it's it's pretty close. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So I really got into um, weather and emergency management in 1991 uh, during the Andover tornado. My grandma's house was directly impacted by the storm. She lives just west of Andover, and her house was heavily damaged by the tornado. And I remember, um, you know, going down with my family and um, to make sure she was okay. Her husband, my grandfather, was uh, out of town on business trips, so she was all by herself. No one was able to get a hold of her, and you know, we uh, we loaded up in the car. Our family did. And we drove down there, and you know, I remember running into the police barricades, and there, you know, no one, no one can come past this point. And we'd back off and try and find another way in, and then we were finally able to make it in and uh, check on her that night. She she did great. She had a broken uh, a broken leg at the time, really, and she couldn't go downstairs. Um, she says in hindsight, she'd have just thrown herself down the stairs right. and dealt with the consequences later. But she ended up sheltering in her bathroom. And uh, her house uh, was hit by the tornado. It's, oh uh, it's, so that's uh, I can trace a lot of it back to that. And uh, you know, I like to think that kind of how I got interested into uh, emergency management rather than the meteorology side of it was, uh, you know, with along with the neighbors she had down there, we spent the next few days picking up. Um, you know, uh, she had a generator, and we had coffee going for uh, all the firefighters and the first responders, and you know, uh, picking up pictures that were blown out. Um, and all sorts of possessions of people's neighborhoods that were scattered all over the place. One of my first assignments when I got to Kansas City almost 25 years ago was going to Andover and seeing how they were recovering, especially that mobile home community, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and what I remember distinctly when I was interviewing uh, a nice, uh, she was an older lady uh, who said that when she came out of their safe area, their safe spot, and obviously she survived, she remembered, the, the distinct memory she had was that she could not recognize, I don't want to say where she was, she knew where she was, but every single landmark yeah. was blown away. The tree the lines trees, that you get the, used to seeing. The street signs and everything, and it just turned into this massive 
area of destruction, but with no reference of where a specific house was yeah. at the time because it, everything was just white clean. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. You know, and uh, even in, um, we spent a lot of time studying and, and working with some of the people from Greensburg, and they ran into that same problem there. The whole town, there was uh, no, no signs. Water towers were gone. All those um, symbols that you see when you're driving around. So, all right, so since we've kind of opened this uh, little path, if you will, do emergency managers learn, uh, for lack of a better phrase, from other mistakes that have been made over the course of disasters? Oh, most definitely. You know, we spend a lot of time, uh, we consider it lessons learned from mm -hmm. other places. And, you know, if something happened uh, for us, uh, you know, would welcome anybody to come, you know, right. figure out what went right, what went wrong, and what we'd do different in the future. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking with emergency managers from Moore, um, Greensburg. We, a few of us went out there and talked to their emergency management staff and, uh, and Joplin as well, just to hear, you know, what went right, what struggles they had, you know, in hindsight, uh, what they do a little bit differently. And uh, we try and learn from that because, you know, fortunately, um, the last tornado fatality in Johnson County was in Ruskin Heights in 1957. That's, that's an anomaly, uh, even for counties, every county surrounding Johnson County. You know, uh, these events fortunately don't happen every day, uh, but in order to make sure we're prepared for those events, you got, we gotta use um, the lessons learned from, from those communities. And so from a, uh, a preparedness standpoint, and Andy and I talked about this quite a bit, we, we haven't, even though I don't think people realize, and I brought this up on the podcast before, People don't realize that last year, on that May 2nd or 3rd, mm -hmm. whatever night that was, um, and then uh, that July when we had the tornado in Lake Lottawana, uh -huh. we had five or six metro yeah, tornadoes. Most definitely. And thank goodness they were EF zeros, or I think there was one EF1 mixed in. But uh, they they were just basically tree scrapers yeah. and, and I mean, Knocking right through Overland Park, 135th it. Street. Yeah. Uh, do do people, or I should probably ask you, do you think folks have become complacent? You know, um, in some whether ways, it's Johnson County or yeah, no, in in some ways yes, and in some ways no. I think people, you know, um, like you mentioned, those tornadoes they they do occur in Johnson County and the metro almost on a yearly basis mm -hmm. to some extent. Uh, some fortunately, most of them are EF zero, EF ones. Uh, I think people are tuned in to what's going on and they understand they understand the danger but it's you know it's been decades since we've had something that could cause considerable damage in Johnson County uh, and we're fortunate for that so I think people they're aware of it and uh, you know we just conducted a citizen survey that showed over 83 uh, percent of people in Johnson County understand or self-identify as understanding uh, what a National Weather Service watch and warning mean and That's the difference good. between that and, that, and that's great. That's great, actually, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I do think people, you know, fail to understand that, you know, sometimes maybe that uh, those large events, they could happen here. There's nothing uh, nothing stopping it from occurring. It really is amazing, um, I think, as you look at everything that's happened since, you know, we had the bigger tornadoes go through the north side of Kansas mm -hmm. City in the early 2000s, that now we're going on uh, 15, 17, yeah. you know, 17 years or so without anything, thank goodness, knock mm -hmm. on wood, anything really, really big for the metro. And you look at these other towns, Joplin, and, and uh, certainly everything that's happened down in Oklahoma over the years, and 
I mean, it's it's just a, it's a matter of time. Unfortunately, yeah. it's a matter yeah. of time. Most definitely. And so, as an emergency manage, uh, as an emergency management agency goes, when we keep saying it's just a matter of time, do people get tired of that message? Do you think, or are they still listening? Uh, a little bit of both. Again, you know, people. You can always tell people you have to prepare for this because this could happen. And over time, people start glancing over that. Uh, one tool that we use to help reiterate that you know, some of these events uh, could be significant is a, it's a tool we use. It's called Tornado Tracks. Uh, we host it on our website. It's a, um, it's a tool that we use to help prepare for some of these large emergencies. We'll reach uh, out to the Weather Service office from um, neighboring uh, CWAs and grab GIS files of the tornadoes, the tracks on the ground, and we'll like, lay them over Johnson County just to give people and, uh, an idea of what could happen if that happened here. And like I said, there's nothing, uh, you know, stopping that from actually occurring. And, and it's a fabulous exercise because I remember way back when, I think in the late t 2007, 2008, I had done this whole thing about tornadoes coming through. I think it was the uh, Greensburg tornado uh -huh. coming up I-35. And people, uh, it, it was enlightening to me and enlightening to others, uh, I think because people don't realize how much destruction. Oh, yeah could be caused and not only the destruction aspect of things but all these i call it tentacles you know communications uh -huh. and hospitals Most and schools and and all of this stuff that uh, could have had an issue and how life would have changed yeah you know afterwards it's yeah, amazing I, I think the greensburg tornado when you overlay it over johnson county could, could have caused upwards of 10 billion dollars in damage amazing? and yeah. that's that's an incredible it's amount. an incredible number uh for a county that uh is one of the more wealthy ones i guess it would be yeah. fair to say around uh the kansas city metropolitan area so with with that aspect of things how um does emergency management work for johnson county is it different than other counties do you think? Do you think you have it maybe a little bit better from a resource standpoint? You know, it works. Um, we're one of 105 counties in the state of Kansas, and as far as how it works on the Kansas side, uh, you know, we have um, six staff members at our office, and uh, all in all, it works pretty similar across the state. Um, but what's quite, we work on a weekly basis and a daily basis with uh, with our partners just across the state line on the Missouri side, and some things can uh, they work a little bit different on the Missouri side, so. A more city level uh, involvement, uh, for instance. So most folks are probably most familiar in a weird way with emergency management by the weekly test yeah. of the sirens. And we've talked uh, in the past uh, on the podcast and on the air about the, the benefits to the sirens and the drawbacks to the yeah. sirens. Where does emergency management uh, figure into that thought process you know uh in johnson county uh johnson county emergency management is the primary organization that activates the siren system in johnson for the county. Whole county for the whole county okay there are roughly 200 a few a little bit over 200 sirens in johnson county at this point they're owned and maintained by the individual municipalities but uh as far as activating them go it's it's primarily our role to activate them okay and, and i think what uh, a lot of people don't realize is maybe that's more of a unique set up mm -hmm. as opposed to other counties where ci where, where cities may trigger yeah. them or uh, a dispatcher or yeah. something like might trigger a siren or something like that. So it is a little bit different. It, you know, uh, different organizations. We're fortunate uh, in the Kansas City metro area for a number of reasons. And one of the reasons uh, that we're fortunate is 
people have come together, at least on the Johnson County, Jackson County, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, Wyco, and, and Leavenworth, and so on, that we all test our sirens on uh, the first Wednesday at 11 o'clock in the morning of every month, uh, all 12 months of the year. And uh, if we have to cancel it or postpone it that time, we'll do it on the second Wednesday. And if that doesn't work out, just cancel it for the month. There are there are different metro areas uh, in the United States where that's it's not a uni- not uniform. Some people in Oklahoma City, for instance, they activate and test once a week on a Wednesday at noon, and then some places uh, vary. Uh, how often they'll activate uh, their sirens for testings. So you could hear sirens uh, from any given point almost seven days a week oh. in some <laughs> locations just because, you know, some people think they should do it um, Thursday at, at Thursdays 3 at 3 or o'clock yeah. or, you know, they might have a, uh, a board meeting that goes on every week at this time, so they can't activate it at that time. So, you know, we're fortunate in the metro area that, you know, we, everyone's at least come together to agree on those certain uh, ideas. And from a siren standpoint... Uh, and different counties have different needs, uh-huh. obviously, especially once you get outside of the city area. Uh, from a siren standpoint, though, at what point are the sirens set off? And it's important to note that the sirens um, in Johnson County, as well as some other counties, are, for lack of a better phrase, uh, segregated. Yeah. In other words, it's not the whole county yeah, that gets definitely. blasted at once. So at one point... At what point do the sirens go off? So the first thing is the sirens in Johnson County are only activated for tornadoes. Okay. Uh, now, that activation criteria, we have a number of criteria that we can use. And the first and most often one that we use is we'll sound them off for National Weather Service, the tornado warnings that come out. And we can activate in uh, all the county at once, all 200-some-odd sirens at one time, or we can activate them by individual zones. There are five zones uh, cut across Johnson County in a, uh, in a pattern that predates my, uh, hmm. my experience with the county. But it allows us to activate uh, only certain zones of the sirens, trying to cut back on if there's a tornado warning that might clip the Stillwell area, making sure that uh, you know, the siren doesn't necessarily need to go off in DeSoto. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So, and there are some times where uh, uh, um, uh, 2015, for instance, we had a tornado moved across. We ended up activating countywide because the day. tornado, it moved through the center of the county. And at a certain point, it was touching all four mm-hmm. zones or all five zones. And uh, it was just an easier uh, call just to press the all call button. And that would probably be more of a rarity. Yes, most I would, definitely. I would probably think so. So sirens can be triggered by zones. They're not necessarily triggered for the whole county, except yeah. in probably rare uh, instances. So with that said, and we talk about this quite a bit, while the sirens are an important part of the process, and for all the talk that us weather folks can do on TV, people still to this date you know, they sometimes will not react until they hear, you know, those sirens. That was one of the surprising things that we found out on this um, preparedness survey we sent out. We just got the results back um, about a month ago, and we've been pouring through it. And the number one um, um, thing that caused people to seek or to seek shelter uh, during a tornado warning was hearing the sirens. And that's uh, that's something that uh, that stuck out to me. Uh, and, and, and it's a, it's a it's a good thing. It's a bad thing. First exactly. of all, we're just thrilled that anybody takes action yeah. at all. That That's the great thing about it. Uh, the bad thing about it is, at least in my opinion, is A, sometimes sirens don't work. Yeah. You know, they're, they're failures. Um, and we constantly reiterate the, the need to have second or third 
pieces of information coming in. Um, you get windy conditions, you have thunder and lightning going on maybe, and maybe you don't hear the siren. Yeah. Um, it's still a little weird after all these years of us saying, hey, the sirens are good, but let's remember, let's not count on them. People love sirens, yeah. but there are far better ways right. to stay weather aware and receive severe weather information. And so let's talk about that. Whether and Let's take just TV out of the equation on this. I know in Johnson County, uh, as in some other counties, I guess, uh, that there's a, a phone way yes, of yeah. getting this information. What's that all? So there's a system in, in Johnson County called Notify Joko people can sign up for. And uh, everyone at this point is familiar with wireless emergency alerts, WA on their phones. If there's a tornado warning at the cell tower, their cell phones will go off. And cell phones have uh, they're pretty ubiquitous across uh, the vast majority of mm -hmm. the population right now, but not everyone has smartphones uh, or phones um, turned on. I know a lot of people turn turn the phones off right. when they're done with them and um my but yeah yeah but I, I have family who does that quite <laughs> often too you know um but you can sign up for notify joko and it's just another way that you can stay weather where you can get um notifications uh, sent via voice text email to house phones uh, cell phones um you can email them to you really? and uh there's a fax capability that no one that's not available anymore, <laughs> but that was out there for From a while. From the good old days. Yeah, yeah, that's, that was a possibility for a while. Uh, it's just a reminder of how things have changed oh, yeah. so much with the technology in changing. the past 10 years. Yeah, right. Uh, so from that standpoint, from no Notified Joko, what's the latency involved from when the weather service hits a warning to a phone call being made? Yeah, no, uh, it's pretty short. It's remarkably short. Um, I don't have the exact statistics in my head. I know it's Seconds. something that we've monitored. It's ideally less than a minute Okay. Um, from the second the weather service hits it. And that's about the same rate, uh, maybe a little shorter than the weather or than when the sirens go off from when the tornado warning's issued. Interesting. Okay. So uh, for those of you who are just kind of popping us on, uh, we're visiting with uh, Trent Pittman, who's uh, the assistant director of emergency management, or assistant director, I was giving you a promotion, yeah, assistant director of community preparedness yeah. with emergency management in Johnson County. His business card is like five business cards in one. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. There is no director of community preparedness. Though, okay, so, so close enough. Close enough. Uh, and we're talking about the role of emergency management in uh, the process of keeping, whether it be Johnson County, Kansas folks safe or really in general any of the counties around the Kansas City area safe. Uh, so as as we look at emergency management now and we think about maybe where it may be in the next five or ten years, what do you think? Is it going to where do you think it evolves into or does it just kind of continue along this merry little way? It's it's it seems like it's a slow evolution of what uh, what's what's happening. You know, ten years ago um, we had less plans than we have now. Uh, you know, there's what's called the CEOP or the County Emergency Operations Plan. That's something that we've had for, for decades, you know, but in the meantime, we've added debris management plans, uh, hazard mitigation plans, you know, things such as mass fatality planning. There's a lot of planning that goes mm -hmm. on in, in the emergency management field. All right, so let's talk about um, worst case type mm -hmm. situations. And having been on the local emergency planning commission there for a while we would have monthly meetings or bi-monthly meetings about scenarios that would develop from an emergency management standpoint when you look at 
disasters mm -hmm. in general. Uh, is there a particular type of disaster that uh, just kind of raises the hair on the back of your neck? Is, would it be a tornado? Would it be a chemical spill? Would it be a train derailment? Would, yeah. Is there, I mean, I know there are a bunch of different ways of looking at disasters, but is there one in particular that's like, let's just hope this never happens? You know, uh, we look at, it's in the hazard mitigation plan, a number of different hazards, and, and they're rated on how severe they would be and how likely they are to occur. On like one end of the scale, you have something that happens frequently that would cause relatively minor, uh, for the most part, um, um, problems with it. And that's more more along the lines of a severe thunderstorm. Okay. That's going to happen a dozen plus times a year, and uh, most often that's going to cause minor property damage to cars, shingles, um, or you know, in the case of some of the straight line winds we had a few years ago, it could cause some structural mm -hmm. damage too. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's really the extent of some of the severe thunderstorm uh, warning hazards. While, uh, you know, uh, tornado, it's, it's number one on our list because it can happen uh, on a yearly basis. And, uh, you know, as we saw in Ruskin Heights, uh, that it could, um, there's a chance that they could be uh, relatively, uh, you know, catastrophic. That's, right. that's one of the things that catches my eye about Ruskin Heights because if it were to happen now, uh, when it happened in 1957, it cut through a small town of Spring Hill, then continued to cut a path through the rest of Johnson County before crossing into Jackson County and into the Ruskin Heights area. But if you look at that path and look what it would would do now with how much Johnson County's mm -hmm. grown since 1957, I believe Overland Park was just established or was about to be established wow. at that period of time. It's cutting right through uh, the heart of you know, um, of the Prairie Fire area, uh, through Leewood, uh, a lot uh, through South Overland Park, you know, around the Blue Valley Southwest area. So if that were to occur now, that would uh, it'd go through quite a populated area. You know, that was 60 years ago, just farmland. And that, I think that's one of those things that people don't necessarily think about all that often. I, I often talk about this uh, with flooding situations where, you know, when we had the terrible floods down by 435 on, mm -hmm. on in Johnson County lot last year two years ago whenever yeah, two years ago um, well yes devastating and bad uh, but let's also remember that you know that same type of scenario 50 years ago may not have been nearly that bad when we didn't have all this exactly. cave been all over the place exactly and when we didn't have uh, the growth that we've seen on the south side especially yep. of Johnson County um, so it, it's a weird combination of we're, we're putting more structures and businesses and roads and stuff like that in harm's mm -hmm. way just by the natural evolution of, of population expansion uh -huh. and stuff like that. Not so much because, oh, my gosh, we've never seen a tornado like this in the past, or it's not because it's more tornadoes. Oh, my God. It's no, we're, we're expanding. Yeah. It's just one we're of those in those things. areas. You know, uh, 50 years ago, like the Tomahawk Creek watershed was was mostly farmland, right. whereas in the past few years, it's almost uh, been completely zipped up with neighborhoods, uh, commercial development. So all that runoff is just going into the creek, and uh, it's you know it's affecting those it's areas. It's affecting things, yeah. yeah. And that's it's it's one of those weird ways that man, uh, humans have affected uh -huh. 
you know, the weirdness of weather sometimes, especially when it comes to flooding and you know, stuff like that. You know, we just, uh, we're in the process of wrapping up, uh, it was our first presidential disaster declaration uh, in Johnson County since the ice storms uh, was for that flooding in 2017. And it, uh, it actually caused around what FEMA considers $4 billion of eligible damages, meaning damages to public property. Uh, that uh, is eligible for reimbursement through wow. FEMA. So we're in the final stage. It's almost done with it. So it's now taken almost two years. Yeah, yeah. In the, it's just, and is that just the process uh, with dealing with governmental-type things? Yeah, you know, um, I worked with FEMA for a little bit over a year back before I came to Johnson County, and it was, it was quite the learning experience. You know, I, uh, when, I, when you're a kid or, you know, uh, even in college, you – you know, you think uh, that uh, FEMA's the one who's going out and, uh, you know, during disasters or immediately right after. And that, that is true for a select portion of it. But the vast majority of, um, of the FEMA process, if you want to call it that, uh, happens after the disaster occurs. Uh, some uh, projects can last over a decade. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, wrap this up since I don't know how long we've been going, but it feels like we've been going for about <laughs> 20, 25 minutes or something like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so if folks want to learn more about emergency management, specifically for Johnson County, if, if anybody from Johnson County is listening to this podcast right now, uh, I was on the webpage a few days ago. What is the webpage where they could kind of get some more information yeah. about prepare, preparedness and safety and stuff like that? You know, one of the things we like to encourage people to do is if they are, if they're looking to become prepared, looking to take those next steps, uh, we have a website called joco72.org that we maintain. And the idea that behind that is we're trying to encourage people to be prepared for 72 hours. That's, that's kind of our, our line that we give people. You should be prepared to handle an emergency for roughly 72 hours without external assistance. And there are several steps people can do to be, just become a little bit more prepared. Uh, you don't have to have a bunker underneath your basement with six months of freeze-dried food. Be, they consider prepared. Right. You know, but if you did, that's okay. Oh, yeah, more power to more you. More power great. to you, right. You know, but there are steps that people could take. Uh, if, you know, if we can encourage people to you know, have a NOAA weather radio, um, and maybe that's only something they use on severe or weather aware, days they need to stay weather right. aware, uh, have a flashlight, first aid kit, uh, some bear or some form of food you don't have to have freeze-dried right. you know beans in the basement <laughs> it could it could be you know high quality f like granola bars something that's not going to um spoil spoil or, if yeah. the power goes out and you know uh, some people when uh, when we tell them to have three days of water they want to have big jugs uh commercial sized jugs in their house and that's great you know but it could also just be two packs of water from costco that you that you cycle through you know if the mm -hmm. kids have a soccer game just grab a few of those and then when you're getting low just pick another one up at costco and just have that on hand just in case an emergency uh, was to occur uh thank you so much stopping on by yeah this is great yeah visiting with joe's weather world uh always a good time uh as we learn about different aspects of the weather enterprise i love these conversations trent and i have had so many over the years and uh, he's just a good guy, and, and Johnson County is obviously in good hands uh, with him, Andy, my friend from the Weather Service. Uh, we really do have a great weather enterprise, I think, here in Kansas City. kind of makes us unique, I think, compared to many other cities across the country. Trent, thank you, my friend. Thanks, Joe. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to Joe's Weather World. Uh, another podcast coming down the pike. I'm working on some ideas. I hope you have yourself a great, great day, and thanks for spending a few minutes in Joe's Weather World. <laughs>